0: doing Paul? Yeah I'm good thanks how are you? I understand you are on your annual scouting trip to Barcelona.
1: Look for I don't know 10 or 12 years now I've gone to Barcelona sent the report back said look this boy Messi's okay perhaps you should check him out and they've gone nah don't think so what can you do? It's crazy, crazy, crazy. You've done your best, haven't you?
0: I understand this year, for once, you're actually going to get to see Barcelona. Always seems to be Espanol that are playing when you're in town. Yeah,
1: oh, it was last year. Yeah, uh, no, I've been a few times to Barcelona. So this year, I'm hoping to uh, bump into maybe you know Luis Suarez. Heard his interviews have a bit of bite to them. He'll take a nibble if I ask him a few it's questions. Classic,
0: it's classic Luis Suarez biting banter no. there. Just, it's very, very 2014. Uh, that's progress. <laughs> um, so, uh, how have you managed to watch all the football that's happened? And that I did. Was... Yeah. Yes.
1: Yep, yep. I've enjoyed it all. Have you? I mean, it's a it, uh, fine victory tonight-ish, sort of. Sent Etienne the game over after 16 minutes or so. Uh, a interesting performance against Blackburn. I wouldn't say it was a good one. Uh, and then a then, uh, solid victory at home against Saint-Étienne in uh, the first round of the Europa League. Yeah. All-cup football this week.
0: Yeah, that was the first time I've ever sat in the south stand, not for work, against Saint-Étienne. I was right near the tunnel, which was kind of fun as the players go in and out and all the clappy claps and all that. That was good. Um, but, so I went with Paul Gunning, friend of the show. That was a delight. But behind us was Sat... Mm, one of history's top 10 worst chairmen Maybe that's maybe that's harsh. But his mate said to him, oh, they're not serving beer because obviously they, they weren't serving beer because of the security stuff around Santa Chen. More on that later. Um, and then the other guy goes, oh, you can't drink it anyway. This is why I prefer the rugby. I was just like, oh, no. And then, sure as sure as eggs is eggs, half an hour in, Paul Pogba misplaces a pass, and the guy goes, how many million was that worth? That's the South stand for you.
1: Give me strength. It was not good. No, I, I had a few years at well from 1990. When did they rebuild the Stretford End? I don't know. 92 or so, Right. So for three seasons, 92 to 95 maybe. You were in the South Sandwich? You
0: were right near the bench, right, I seem to remember.
1: Right near the bench, yeah, and and it was the same then, yeah, people moaning or whinging and uh, the, the only entertainment was abusing the, the away bench because I was three seats away from the abe- away bench, which was quite good fun when you got a rise out of
0: them. And talking of quite good fun, the Saint-Étienne game was indeed fun, um, uh but we talk of one of history's top ten worst humans, arguably one of history's worst hat tricks. I don't know. Definitely the worst hat trick seen <laughs> at Old Trafford since Robin van Persie's uh, remarkably unimpressive performance netted a hat trick against Olympiakos in the
1: Champions League a couple of seasons ago. Well, that's the that's the thing. I mean, look, is it sacrilegious to say, like, you know, obviously he is he is kind of post human in yeah. some some fashion, right? (laughs) Ibrahimovic is close to God. Is it sacrilegious (laughs) to say (laughs) he played a bit shit? (laughs) Even though he scored a hat trick. The problem with saying it's sacrilegious is,
0: in a way, it's a bit like the problem with a lot of, like, religious heresy. Sometimes it's very obvious that the heretical thing is true. Like, you know... He definitely scored a hat trick, but one of them was a deflected free kick. The other one, like Marcus Rashford, did literally all the work, and Zlatan did very well to to find to basically stand in the right place, which is part of the striker's art. And the last one was a penalty. I mean, he earned it himself, I guess. But yeah, uh, not 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 his best overall performance for United, but uh, but nonetheless, uh, superb to see him. Him get a hat-trick. Yeah. uh, Who
1: did you think... Ibra's past success rate in that game, 57%.
0: Yeah, but listen, the only stat that matters is that he continued his weird stat-patting agenda against Saint-Étienne, the team he had already... They were already the team he had scored most goals against in his career, and then he
1: scored a hat-trick against them. It's like an abusive relationship, isn't it? They just keep coming back for more. I mean... Uh, wow. Yeah. I lo- interesting performance from United. I, I mean, actually very controlled, you know, at no point did you really think they were going to lose, except St. Etienne created like 12 chances in the first half, right? So you get this weird sense of security that United are controlling the whole game, you know, the the kind of pattern of the game and, and St. Etienne are breaking all the time and creating a load of chances, which they kept missing. And strangely, he kind of felt like that was about right because they've scored, what, three or four goals over the entire season.
0: <laughs> they haven't conceded very many, but they, it's hard to see quite how they haven't conceded that many um, given, given their defence looked extremely permeable. I mean, and Mourinho made a big change, didn't he, to the structure of that game at half-time um, when <laughs> he decided that it would probably be a really good idea to take Marouille and Fellaini off. Uh, and he was right, like...
1: In any context, it's a good idea, particularly in this one,
0: yes. I mean, United looked just transformed in an attacking capacity in the second half. Lingard might not have been, like, exceptional on a personal level, but in terms of his movement and everything, he made so much
1: difference to the way United played. He did, and and it it, it was unnecessary for United to have basically three sitting midfielders. I'm sure Pogba was pushing on, but... Uh, you know, it, it just allowed United to get more players into forward positions, uh, create more problems for for Saint Etienne's defense, uh, which includes, of course, the great Pogba brother, older brother, um, and uh, and and just create more chances to score goals. You know, it was a sensible move. I I, I just kind of wonder, at what point does Mourinho work out that? At, at you know no level does Marion flaney make any sense for him it 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 just't no it just doesn't make any sense at all. It's not how united are playing i mean increasingly over the season he's gone from uh like uh, evolving the possession based game that, that van Hal developed to basically a team that's you know exceptional on the break it's United still have the majority of possession in most games um but most dangerous on the Break is beginning to feel like a very Mourinho side. In that context, in many contexts, Marin Fellaini doesn't make any sense. In that context, especially, he makes no sense at all.
0: Yeah, and if you look at the numbers. Eleven of Santa Chen's fifteen shots or whatever it was were in the first half. Seven of United's twenty-one. So United were out. You know, chance created by Santa Chen in that first half, and then in the second half was a completely different story. Um, United completely dominated the second half. Um, I, I thought that that. morning looked a little shaky, but really the problem was actually United's midfield. So at one point, Pogba is going absolutely spare at both Herrera and Fellaini. So obviously, I mean, what it looked like was that they weren't sticking to the plan, particularly Fellaini, um, and that the the kind of shape of the side was being dragged all over the shop, really. Um, It was kind of, it was an interesting moment. Like he was really properly furious and they did slightly get it back together after that. But yeah, Fellaini's got to go. It's really straightforward isn't
1: it yeah well we can talk about a few players that may be going or not going after we've uh completed the discussion about the football games but I I just don't I don't understand him he's he's a really strange footballer he's not disciplined enough or has the any kind of the the skills needed to play at number six like we know that uh his only Possible role is to really mix it up in the the box and the final third. That's the only possible role. And yet, when he's picked from the start, he never plays that role. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Anyway, uh,
0: daily uh, broken record, Daly broken Lint. record. Daly. Yeah, talking of which, Daddy Blint had a good game. No, that's not a broken record thing. Uh, but yeah, a uh, very a very fine performance from Blint.
1: Yeah, stories this week that uh, uh, Mourinho's already decided Blink can go in the summer. He's got better options to work with. Why doesn't he work with any of them then? Nice. who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly a centre-back. Yeah, A left-back, he, Yeah, he's probably been United's you know, best left-back this season. I mean, it's a, a mess of a position, isn't it, with Luke Shaw ostracised, uh, Matteo Dami are not good in that role, Marcos Rocker. you much rather him playing the centre and... And Blintz, the probably the most comfortable of that quartet in that role. And he and he was pretty good against Sententien. First leg. Good as the second leg as well, of course. Made the first goal. Opening yeah. goal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um Ander Herrera, 93 passes, 89% pass completion, seven tackles, one, uh, which is that is a lot of tackles, three interceptions. Uh this is classic Ander Herrera doing Ander Herrera things, especially in the second half when the midfield started to make more sense um he's had a very good season he has but a, right yeah absolutely no doubt i mean we seem to talk about him playing well most weeks uh, this was this was another one of
1: those look he's a very good all-round player that perhaps doesn't re- remember when we talked about Ander herrera when he first joined the club and i said i wonder whether he'll really feel like he's getting any plaudits right because he doesn't do anything spectacular this is what I meant. I mean, he played much further forward in Spain than he's playing right now or, or really at any point during his United career. Um, but this is, he's all energy. He's going to put the the right passes in. He's very incisive with the passes, makes tackles, the interceptions, doing more of that now than perhaps he ever did in Spain, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, very good footballer, fully deserves his place in the side, helps that midfield function. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. Um, I really enjoyed a few a few little uh, side things about that game. The Pogba brothers, I mean, they came out like side by side in the team lineups. That was lovely. They were chatting to each other whenever they were anywhere near each other on the pitch, which was nice. And then at the end of the game, there was a lovely atmosphere in Old Trafford at the end of that game. Um, I guess we should we'll talk about the away fans a little bit, but um, the, the the fans were all kind of, the players were all kind of clapping the fans and then I noticed Pogba wasn't with them because he was with his brother doing a little lap of honour with his brother where his brother's kind of like pointing at him going, yeah, this guy's good, isn't he? And everyone was clapping them and it was lovely. The Pogba brothers show, lovely.
1: Well, the whole family really, so... Uh, all over social media, weren't they? His uh, his folks and sisters and and the the wider family. It was uh, yeah, it was, it was really nice. I was kind of disappointed one of them didn't put a reducer in on the other though. <laughs> I really wanted that. Um, Pod nearly scored, smashed a header against the crossbar.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, at Manstew FC, Stuart Barker says. Uh, so we'd all watch Keeping Up the, With The Pogbas, right? I know I would, definitely. Uh, a Pogba-based reality show would be the best structured reality show of all time.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't suggest that, though. No, I mean, we Because be the, he would be defocused on the football. and focus- I mean, he's already got a, quite an Instagram game, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, so the Pogba brothers doing their thing, United doing their thing. Uh, and taking a 3-0 lead, I mean, that penalty at the end, it felt really sort of significant because that that was the goal that
1: killed the tie, wasn't it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, this is the difference. Well, Mourinho said in the, the press conference ahead of tonight's game that while it really could have been 2-1 and then it would have been difficult um, and, you know, not far off that. Uh, if it was 2-0 and it was sent Etienne with a crowd and stuff, would have felt they could have got back into this. 3-0, you're, you're looking for a miracle. I don't know what percentage of two-legged European ties have been turned around from 3-0 at home. I believe it's naught. I believe it's yeah. naught
0: percent they,
1: well, well, there wrong. you go. Yeah. There
0: you um, go. The, the, uh, the general vibe was lovely. Uh, Oh, oh, I nearly forgot. I'm so glad I mentioned the general vibe because it made me picture the Stretford End and that reminds me of chinos, chinos, chinos. The Santa Chen physio was wearing chinos. Yeah. Someone at some point noticed this and then every time he went on the pitch, everyone started chanting it. At one point, he's walking past the Stretford End with an injured player, might have been Pogba actually, Um, their Pogba, and he's kind of walking past the Stretford End and I, I was looking at his face and there was definitely a look on his face where he was going, this seems to be happening whenever I'm here, but I cannot for the life of me work out why all well, yeah, these people would is. be singing it about yeah. me. <laughs> It was beautiful, very uh, nice. Yeah, a very memorable moment that will that will live long in the annals of United folklore. The Chino's guy.
1: I mean, aside from that, it, it's not enough, well, you know that that moment and the goals and whatever. It, not a hugely eventful game, right? I mean, there, there's the kind of you look at United's defensive uh, performance and go, mm, how do they not concede here? And it was nice they scored three goals, you know. To to lots of luck involved in two of the goals, kind of wondering that that wasn't for a three 0 wasn't a magnificent performance, wasn't a huge European night. It was just kind of one of those run of the mill ones, I guess you'd expect against a sort of mid ranking league side.
0: Yeah, the the other of I mean a couple of other stand. I thought Martial was superb. Um, yeah, like he had electric. a very good game. Yeah. And Rashford did really well when he came like brilliantly for Zlatan's second goal. And of course, the one thing that made it feel like a bona fide European night was the Santa Chen fans who were... I mean, the, the pyrotechnic detection dogs uh, are, were presumably distracted by some other doggy activity because there were a lot of pyrotechnics in that crowd i mean there must have been 50 flares at least probably maybe double that Mm -hmm. even Uh, an extraordinary commitment to getting flares into the ground from the santa chen fans
1: very well worked and good good on them i mean look We can't condone flares, of course, because uh, it may cause injury. And uh, our friend from Stratford and Flags wouldn't like it.
0: (laughs) Um, I mean, at some point, one of them definitely threw a flare. And there was a bit... I always think it's really odd how um, away fans can kind of... the, The disabled fans are right underneath... Where the away fans sit and and the, it didn't look comfortable that at all. There was there was a bit of trouble over in the in one corner of the centre chain fans where they kind of almost broke for, through the. line the, of the sh-
1: stewards throwing wheelchairs or something.
0: Well, it was that kind of vibe. Like it was it was a it, it didn't look it didn't look nice. Um, but apparently there wasn't any serious trouble, so that's that's good. And the noise and the choreographed scarf holding and all that stuff was just brilliant.
1: Yeah. So no one in the. The uh, St. Etienne side really stood out, did they? I mean, Pogba, older, you can kind of see he's quite a limited footballer. Um, uh, at the back, uh, uh, Theophile Catherine, who played for Cardiff for a couple of seasons and looked like a promising young player, has has turned into TFL Catherine. <laughs> I was like, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here?
0: It's a re it's a rebrand. A very solid good rebrand. re-brand. Yeah,
1: all, all the commentators have needed to adjust their uh, pronunciation.
0: Um, but yeah, all in all, like being there, it was a thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable night. And and being in the sales stand was very good for the view of the penalty. That was like that was exciting. And and also Zlatan's outrageous celebration for the second goal, <laughs> tapping from four yards. At which point he stretched his hands like you know like here I. I am basking the glory that is Latan. Another
1: notch on the goalpost. Very good. So that's the Europa League game. Yeah. And then on to Sunday in the FA Cup game. Yeah. Trip to Ewood Park, which has not always held happy memories. It was so funny, listeners, to let you behind the curtain
0: here. One thing that became abundantly clear from the Rankcast WhatsApp group during the course of this game is that Ed absolutely hates Blackburn Rovers. Like, honestly, where do they rank in... Are they, like, just below Leeds? No.
1: (laughs) no, Not at all. Not even that hated. I mean, uh, 1995. Like, it's still remembered. There are scars. (laughs) Yeah. um, Blackburn were very
0: creditable. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed this game, too. I mean, it wasn't a a vintage performance from United, but it was... um, there was something good about the 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 kind of determination and, like, the, the Blackburn were very well organised and clearly ridiculously up for it. I was not expecting them to score something that I think it's fair to call a wonder goal. Is that a wonder goal, that first goal? Superb play from Emnes and a beautiful finish by Danny Graham.
1: Oh, I mean, there's there's inches in which he could find a, a gap from Danny Graham, and, and he did, yeah. I mean, I thought the front two, Emnez and Graham were very good. I mean, Graham, who who scored a lot of goals at lower levels and not too many at senior levels, He he's doing well with Blackburn now, and you, you kind of uh, give credit to him for that. And Emnez I'd not seen play before. I thought he was very, very good. You know, he looks like a better player than championship level, uh, front two are very good, but it's really across the team they, they did a lot, yeah. You know, it's not like they defended for the whole game or anything here, you know. They gave United a, a real game and, and this was not a United side that was uh you know, second string by any means. I mean, you know, a few odd ones, young at right back. Rashford had a game up front, which he doesn't get uh, too often. Lingard was in the team. Apart from that. Very strong team from United. Uh, so, what Darmian at left back? You've got Darmian at left back, yeah. Oh, and Romero in goal.
0: Hilariously, as we will no doubt come to. Uh-huh.
1: Um, whoa, he's had three games in a row now, Romero.
0: Oh yeah, this is this is the Sergio Romero show. This is yeah. we're literally only only games in which Sergio Romero played get discussed this
1: week. Uh-huh. Uh, well, you know he's holder of the shirt. Maybe you should stay in for the the cup final. <laughs>
0: David James once said not that long ago that United were better off with of Romero in goal well it can't be that long ago because he hasn't been there that long but I think the uh, the disallowed goal that would have been Blackburn's equaliser gave ample uh, have you ever seen a worse triple save we talked about a bad hat tricks <laughs> the first save is like an okay save the second one is smacked into his face and then the third one he saves and then throws over his shoulder to the offside player it was not good. It was
1: not there good. is zero percent confidence that you get from Sergio Romero. I, mean, I do remember when he joined, and there were there were a whole legion of people on Twitter. I'm going to assume they've probably never seen him play, or maybe once. I mean, because honestly, well, he he just played in a full
0: World Cup, so I imagine they'd seen him at least. They'd, six they'd times. seen that,
1: yeah. But he was on the bench at Sampdoria at the time, and had just come from the bench at Monaco.
0: Yeah. apparently uh behind the scenes gossip absolutely lovely fella
1: I'm sure he is so that's nice I'm sure isn't it? he is, yeah no problem with making toast or anything right. <laughs> uh um absolutely hapless as a keeper, lovely to see rashford get one
0: absolutely lovely, and uh it was a well worked goal a, a real a real lovely pleasure. pass
1: from magterium, oh. yeah.
0: Outrageous, like outrageously good, and Romero did well for that too. Like very quick thinking, at nine point six seconds, I think, from the moment at which the free kick was taken by Blackburn to the moment at which uh, United put the ball in the back of the net. So a lightning quick um, counter, which you can do when the team set up like that.
1: Well, yeah, exactly the kind of goal that United can't score with Ibrahimovic in the side. Um, not that that is some kind of campaign to get rid of Ibra, um, but, you know, you get a, you get something different with uh, Rashford up front.
0: But then United needed something different. And in one of the most glorious uh-huh. kind of like, oh, uh, middle-aged men across the country, apoplectic with rage, as United, uh, always on TV in the FA Cup, brought on Pogba and Ibrahimović to just destroy this... Lowly team sorry lads you've had your fun the big boys are here and they're literally just going to win it on their own Pogba was
1: outrageously good in the time he had in that game I mean I it, it's hard to it's hard to talk up how good that goal was right <laughs> I mean it looks super simple it's never going to be on a top 10 list of best goals oh, ever it so good. Uh, but it's a wonderful pass and and Ibrahimovic, I mean, like most strikers would try to hit that with their left foot. He's waited half a second too long in order to steer it in. And then he's hit it with the outside of the top of his foot in order to steer it in. Just... Unbelievably good so finish good. that was uh, from a wonderful yeah. ball.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and like just you know, Ibrahimovic is brilliant. Like it's not it's not completely straightforward the Ibrahimovic situation, but he is clearly brilliant, and that's just not in doubt. And that was a, a moment of Ibrahimovic brilliance. But yeah, Pog was Pog was all round performance after he was brought on. A, the, the, kind of the last half an hour of that game, apart from the uh, Romero near howler, was just a complete cruise. Like it was just a, a breeze once. Once Pogba and, and Ibrahimovic came on, they 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 completely changed the game. And and mm. and yeah, that, that I mean, just Popper on his own completely changed the game, really. And then Ibrahimovic was in was in position and had the ability to to score that goal. Which, like you always mm. say, like one of the things about that ball was how good the run was, wasn't it?
1: Well, I mean, that's where Ibrahim I- comes alive. Yeah, he actually mm. uh, will come on to the Saint Etienne game. Tonight's game, the away game, but I thought he did a lot of good work in the channel. Uh, but he mm-hmm. do- often doesn't, and it's really just the the last mile of the run. You know, the the final run that he really comes alive, and the, obviously the finishing is uh, sometimes outstanding. And it was on this occasion, yeah,
0: yeah. So I think I guess Mkhitaryan. Edge's man of the match for his first half performance where he was really lively and, and he put in that absolutely gorgeous pass. But for a player who only had half an hour on the pitch, Pogba really ran him close, I'd
1: say. Well, it had the significant impact on the game. Hmm. and
0: But just like it just was in cruise control mode as well. It was really enjoyable to see. What was perhaps less enjoyable to see was it, that game really felt like it could have benefited from Luke Shaw. Who has not played in any of these three games when he might have had a reasonable shout <laughs> to start in any of them, particularly the the latter two?
1: Well, yes, and uh, in in a sense, it's hugely disappointing that he's not getting any kind of opportunity, and it kind of feels like these or on these occasions where Mourinho is uh, unjustifiably ostracising a player. Although that said, and that's that was my kind of take on it, hot take on on the Luke Shaw situation, a, a mutual friend. Uh, who who uh, said not to be named on the show told me that uh, it sure is up big time, you know, and uh, his colleagues are. Uh uh, saying that too, and he's he's not putting in the application. He's living with a bunch of his mates in his house. He's not focused on football, and this is why he's not getting the opportunity.
0: Yeah, I uh, I have heard a similar thing almost verbatim. I wonder if it was the same person that told us both. <laughs> I'm sure, well, maybe not actually. Thinking about where I got this information from, I'm not sure it's someone you know. So I think this is clearly widespread. Anyway, that this is the case, but I mean uh, I've got no first hand evidence of it. But that seems to be that
1: seems to be the. Vibe. Oh look, you know, away from that, it's. Wouldn't it be hugely, hugely disappointing for sure not to make it a United? Oh, absolutely, right. And the 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 thing that I think is, it's
0: all. It's very easy to just go, okay, he's messing up and he's not doing what's needed. And and there's a balance here because some of it is on him and he has to just do. There's a kind of minimum standard that you have to get to, but the other thing is. If you are a player who is, you know, slightly cut adrift and maybe not making the most of your potential and all this kind of stuff, I don't think Mourinho is the man you want to be the manager of that
1: club at the time because he's no, going to have right. a very
0: black and white view of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and he, he demands, uh, demands certain set standards and he, he probably doesn't bend them by play. You know, Ferguson was always great at, uh, at changing the rules for each player, right? You know, we we've discussed this in the past, and I'm not sure what the Mourinho does. And he he expects certain standards, and he expects players to conform to that. And uh, Mkhitaryan, you know, seemingly has done that, and Martial, I guess, uh, is is doing that too. Uh, Shaw apparently can't or won't or doesn't get it yet, and the penny hasn't dropped. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, and, and he's hoping that it does. We've got, you know, it's, it's too early to write the final chapter on this. I mean, he said, Mourinho said this week, no, I like him, I definitely won't sell him in the summer. Um, so, you know,
1: mm. I mean... But- because of the word on the street about that was that United's hierarchy had said to Mourinho, well, hang on a minute, we've put £30 million into this kid. Yeah. Don't write it all off just yet.
0: Yeah, absolutely. and it, And, you know, it's not like... Mourinho necessarily plays with a straight bat. I mean, there is an argument to say the less he likes a player, the nicer he is about them in public.
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh, hmm. He's been very nice about Wayne Rooney this week, hasn't he?
0: (laughs) I mean, to be honest, joking aside, that is actually a really good example, and we will we will come to that after we touch on the. I mean, I guess there's not really a great deal to be said about the one 0 A lovely goal, Matter and Mkhitaryan combining in a
1: way yeah. that makes you think they were born to play with each other. Uh, um, Blint with the the beautiful ball across, yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, um, and and yeah, uh, Mkhitaryan clearly trying to tow it in with his studs. Honest, <laughs> <laughs> didn't quite get enough on it, but it was perfect. Oh, do you think so? Uh, I, I, I didn't even,
0: didn't even occur to me that that wasn't exactly what he was trying to do.
1: Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't certain, but you, you might be I, right. Don't, either way, doesn't matter, right? Sixteen minutes in, that game's dead. Yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, so yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty dull after that. Uh, only bit of uh, action, his uh, red card, which I've got to say is pretty, pretty harsh for both tackles. You're, you're kind of that's both. That's on the well, especially the second one, where he may or may not have got in ahead of the the defender. That's very dubious whether it's a foul, let alone a yellow. The first one, uh, he's gone to ground, but even then, you could probably say I'm not sure that was the yellow.
0: Mm, um, and and he'll be missing for the entire tie, which is a big deal because he's he's been pretty great recently. Oh, he was mm. he, was he really wobbly in the. First twenty minutes against uh, Santa Chen, I think he was the first game, but he was he was real good in this I game. Think, yeah,
1: I guess he missed one game, right, for two yellow cards. Uh,
0: no, I think you miss both legs because it's a red, you know. So I think huh. I think you miss I miss I think you missed the two games because you he, he was already on the maximum number of yellows. I don't know if that makes a difference. He was going to miss the next round anyway, hmm. um, the next game anyway. So I think you then miss an extra game if you get a red. We'll, as we'll,
1: well. see. Double check that one. Yeah, I, yes. I thought he was missing one game and then. Was one yellow away from a uh, an extra suspension, but maybe misses both. And I guess it would depend on who United draw in the next round.
0: Yep. Oh yeah. Talking of which, is a bit. um, I was a bit crestfallen to be honest after the FA Cup draw because we we had the the fun of winning and the manner in which we'd won and everything, and then it's like first draw out of the bag or round goldfish bowl upside down thing. was Chelsea at home and I was like, mm. you know, I knew United were number three and a I was like, not three. No, I know, yeah, but Chelsea were yeah. drawn at home, I mean. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm going, not number three, not number three, not number no- Oh, number three, number three. That's, that's
1: So this will be the game, that, the the 59th game in a row that United uh, are on TV and the, the TV stations would decide not to cover this one,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mourinho back to Chelsea trying to avenge the 4-0. I, I, I mean, I was saying to uh, a, a friend that... Marina's just going to be spending every waking hour completely consumed with how to win this game. The FA Cup's never been this important since Mark Robbins.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, uh, I guess United have been due a difficult one in the FA Cup. So for, yeah. for many years, there have been a lot of tough ties, but not recently. No, I mean, the last really. I mean, last, last season, right? <laughs> it was funny. No, no one of. What was it? Palace, Everton, bunch of dropers, all that. Yeah.
0: Shrewsbury. Uh, I can't remember who else yeah. um, but then the season before that we got knocked out by Arsenal at Old Trafford by Danny Welbeck heartbreaking
1: and mm. justifiably yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: but oh, do you remember the Antonio Valencia mistake anyway let's not dwell on that he's having a marvellous season uh, but yeah so that'll be that'll be a big fixture we'll obviously talk about that more when the time comes Um the big news from the Santa Chen game, I guess, apart from the buy thing, was the injuries to Carrick and Mkhitaryan. So we were like an hour after the game finished, um, so we don't exactly know. But Mourinho's the noise is coming out. Mourinho were definitely that he's not expecting them uh, to play in the cup final, and that actually gives us a, a really interesting selection dilemma. Real we'll problem. Come on to.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Mkhitaryan easier to replace in a sense, in that you know you've got more options there. Uh, Carrick, yeah, can't. I mean, Herrera plays at the base, I guess, and hopefully hopefully that doesn't mean Fellaini comes into the side but it might the key I guess is that they're both
0: it's not not either of them it's both of them That they're the combination of the two is very because you want if one of them's not there the first person you want is the other one uh in a way but yeah we'll, we'll do a full preview on that after we um we talked to a guest who I was I was about to say absolutely delighted, but you'll you'll hear me say that in the intro of both of these interviews. Uh, it was a real pleasure to talk to Stanley Chow, um, who, you know, is an actual genius. <laughs> so um, that was good. So here, here's my conversation with him from earlier in the week. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by, I mean, you know, one of the one of the best that ever did it. Um, Stan Chow, an, an absolute legend in the world of illustration, I think it's fair to say. Um and, and also a massive red. How uh, how you doing, Stan? I'm fine, thank you. Um so what's your what's your history with Man United?
2: Well, it's quite a long history really. Um it started probably back to my dad's days, really, when um when my dad he, he used to work in a restaurant in Old the Edge, um, and Old the Edge is in Cheshire, and as you may or may not know. Plenty of United players live around Cheshire, so he he, he works in a restaurant there, and and basically um, he, like Bobby Charlton, Dennis Law, George Best, Nobby Styles would all go to this restaurant like maybe once or twice a month, basically. And my dad would be like, "Wow, this is amazing!" <laughs> you know, they'll get they'll give all the staff like signed signed shirts and stuff, and um, so from there on, my dad was a United fan really. I mean, he was probably a United fan before, but just kind of like. Um, made the bond stronger basically so then then back in, in in the 70s my dad broke left the restaurant he bought a chippy we bought a chippy in oldringham and um and, and when i was a kid I, like gordon mcqueen lou mccarthy used to come in so that was pretty um i mean i remember like like sitting on gordon mcqueen's lap ones whilst he was making professional chips and stuff whilst whilst they used to come into our chippy so, so yeah, for, you know, I had my dad kind of telling me about my United. I had, like, United players come into our chippy. <laughs> so, so that was kind of, you know, so that was part of, you know, my indoctrination into being a, my United fan. And as a group, even group older, my sister became best mates with Tommy Doherty's daughter. And it was, um, yeah, it was just, it was just all United from, from when I grew up basically. So, um, that, I mean, that is,
0: that is a pretty good, why do you support United? Oh, you know, cause Gordon McQueen used to come and get chips. That's good, isn't it? That's a, that's a pretty good yes. reason. And um, uh, do you, what, who were your sort of first United heroes?
2: Um, I'll probably say, Lou Macari, because, because my dad used to talk about him loads, you know, my dad used to go to the bookies with him. And, um, <laughs> And like in the bookies was around the corner and you come back and say, yeah, I've just been hanging out with Lou Macari. (laughs) So therefore it'll be like, you know, you know, whenever there's United game on telly back in the back in the late seventies, I'll be looking up for Lou Macari basically. Uh, was your dad okay.
0: Was your dad annoyed when Lou Macari opened a chip shop of his
2: own? <laughs> well, he never. When he came to Arsenal, it didn't matter. <laughs> 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 you, you know. So yeah. Um, so uh, did
0: you? Did you? Were you ever able to go regularly?
2: Um, not when I was. I like, um, My first game was was in eighty three. I think when I was about nine. Um... Well, I didn't really go regularly because uh, you know the chipper was always open and um, yeah, I, I had to I had to wait for you know a nice friend to take me there when I was younger <laughs> but I started going when I was a student um I used to study at the Manchester uh, Metropolitan University and I went there a few times but then it's when I moved to Old Trafford about six years ago when I decided to get a season ticket because it was cause literally the ground around the corner from where I live now so um so yeah, that's that's what I go I go regularly now. Yeah, it's interesting because
0: I I didn't really start going regularly till I was grown up, and I think it's a bit of a different experience in a way. You don't, it's a, it's a different sort of you have different uh, associations with it. Um, I, what's it been like to what's it has it changed your relationship with the club to go all the time? Do you think?
2: Um, yeah, it's it's made me it's made me more of a United fan, obviously, yeah. and um. It's also made me kind of um be more wary of the glazers, yeah. And um and, and the anger—it's kind of it fuels in me when I hear about things that they do, and and like, I'm just kind of I'm just kind of disappointed in them in that they kind of take so much money out of the, out of the club. Where, for example, there's City who kind of. The owners of the city put so much money into the club and into the city itself. You know, what I mean, and yeah. that shouldn't really be the case. So um, that, that upsets me more uh, quite a lot, really. What are the What are some of the things they've done that really got to you? Yeah, just the fact that they kind of um, th- that we're still in debt. You know, what I mean? yeah. That's simple as that. You know, there's actually we are. You know, we make more money than anyone else. So why should we be in debt? You know, that's just, just that's that's just literally like the tip of the iceberg, really. You know, mm-hmm. and um, and I just feel like there's other parts in the club where they should be investing more in like in the in the club program, the club magazine, in MUTV. We could with the money that United make, it could be the best. No, no, no it's a it's a bad program. It could be the best program because of the best writers in. Like MUTV could be a really good, you know, uh, uh a tv station mm. then i'm not saying it's, it's bad it could be better basically you know by investing more money in basically you know that's that's how i that's how i see um the, the, where where the troubles are really you know it's kind of like okay fair enough we're, we're making all these kind of like commercial partnerships but well, where's the money going you know it's, mm. it should be it should be spread throughout the club you know instead of kind of people kind of having having to be sat from different departments, you know,
0: that's my, that's my gripe, really. Yeah, I think that's a gripe a lot of people would share. Um, Your work, obviously, um, I mean, so just for people who don't know, I, I mean, I think I would go so far as to say everyone listening to this will have seen some of your work somewhere, in the course of their life, or at least someone biting your style
2: really hard. Um, Yeah. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of spread quite, quite, you know, quite far and wide over the last few years. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I'm lucky, I guess. So
0: there's that you do a lot of work around football. Is that just because it's a passion for you?
2: it was actually a hobby really you know like I, I, I when i started doing football players i wanted to i wanted it to be a hobby you know i didn't want it to be kind of i didn't want to make that much money out of it because i have my own commercial business anyway in in terms of illustrating for different magazines mm. and and doing adverts and whatever that that is separated from football and, and i always felt like if if I brought football in too much into my work, I might start resenting football as a whole, you know, but, but now I'm. this was about five, or six years ago, but then it just kind of, because I loved it so much, I lo- because it's my hobby that i actually illustrating things, football related. It just kind of see- seeped in into my commercial work, really. And, um, and now I'm just kind of learning to embrace it more that that I'm, that I'm, I'm a football illustrator, really,
0: you know, as opposed to a, like a commercial illustrator. If you don't mean, yeah, I noticed uh, recently you've started uh, Stanchow FC. Was that a kind of, was that to give the football work uh, a place of its own? Because it, it's not like you haven't been doing non-football stuff in the in the last year. Indeed, uh, cover of the New Yorker. That's uh, that's pretty big things, isn't it?
2: Uh, no, I correct you. I've not been on the cover of New Yorker yet. It's, uh, oh, it's okay, New York Times. Is, is what I made. I mean, uh, I, I, I still, yeah, I'm still. looking for... That's
0: better in a way, isn't
2: it? I feel like that's that's big. I mean, the New Yorker's great and all, but yeah.
0: the New York Times—that's that's surely a much bigger circulation, you'd imagine.
2: True, but as an as an illustrator, there's more prestige on being on the cover of New Yorker. Right. Yeah. Right? Okay. It's, yeah. it's like it's like the holy grail, really. When you when you, when you're <laughs> a student, you're pretty much told that like um, being on the cover of New York is the holy grail. i you're in that club, you kind of like the you know. It's it's you know it's it's it's, it's a proper badge of honour as an
0: illustrator. Um, but you, so the football stuff hasn't exactly stopped you doing other work. But you've you've clearly kind of developed. Well, tell us about Stan Chow FC.
2: That was an, a that was a, a weird idea that, that that I conceived over Christmas. I basically, like them. you know the you know in the old football programmes, like old, old United programmes where you get the guys shaking hands. That yeah. was the that was the initial kind of. Um, uh, Template really. I mean, like, I just wanted to draw a footballer, you know. I, I basically illustrated a generic footballer, and, um, and and that was that really. You I mean it was, it was, it was it must be quite a throwaway thing, really. But then my osteopath saw it, and he mm-hmm. says, "If you just put a collar on that, it'll look like Eric Cantona." And I said, <laughs> "Yeah, you might be right." So I put a collar on it. It looked like Eric Cantona. and so so that's when an idea just kind of you know entered my brain I, i was wondering like you know if i just make little tweaks to this this template this guy how many kind of you know players can i actually do you know and 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 that's how it really started and and then i started asking people on twitter and facebook kind of for their suggestions of Favorite players and iconic shirts. You know, I collect I collect football shirts anyway, not just United shirts, but I, I do have a little small collection of United of football shirts. And I thought I want to, you know, illustrate them. So, so I thought I'll try and find an icon, iconic footballer, tweak his nose a little bit, <laughs> minimally, and just see if you can actually work out who the footballer is, you know, just from a few little a few little tweaks here and there. And um, just by changing his hairstyle uh, and the size size of his nose, and then just create as many players as possible, basically. So, so it's an ongoing project. It's yeah, turned from like one little illustration to an ongoing project. Which I try to like um, ask other other followers on on social media to give me suggestions, so I can just create a, a massive database of of um, football illustrated footballers, basically. But, but keeping the same template. So, if people want
0: to make suggestions uh, to you, where can where can they get hold of you for for that?
2: Just follow me on at chow FC and just drop me a line and uh, and and basically what I do is is like once two or three people have asked for this, that same person, that's when I I'll start doing another another player basically.
0: Brill, I really like the idea that your idea of a generic footballer was Eric Cantona, yeah. basically, by accident, because he's so seared into all of our unconsciousness that, that that's when we think footballer, that's what we think. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, so who was the first footballer you drew prof- professionally?
2: Oh, right. Oh, Christ. That's a good question. Oh, I think it was Gareth Bale, actually. Like, um, and this, this started... Um, this was for like a magazine or a sport magazine that you get free, like with the whatever, with the London Evening Standard, right, or something like that. And um, so that was the first professional one. But prior to that, there was. Um, I think my reputation kind of grew like via Twitter, basically, because um, I, I did a, you know, I did a little, a little chubby Wayne Rooney, you know, um, about ten years ago, maybe nine years ago. And I posted it on Facebook, on 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 Twitter, obviously, and then um, and then Edgar David saw it on, on um on Twitter, and he says, "I want," <laughs> um, and naturally I said, "Well, yeah, okay, I'll do you one," you know, and then that's that's kind of how how my reputation kind of started as a as a as a football illustrator, and then. Uh, and I, I started doing loads, just posting it up, like just just out of fun, really. But then, Sport Magazine um, asked me to do Gareth Bale. I think it was on a front cover, actually. So, um, so yeah. It's funny because when you talk about these, I've seen
0: all of these pictures as Twitter avatars so many times that I can immediately <laughs> picture exactly the illustration that you're talking about. And um, your your style, and um, what was the kind of origin of it? That what was what was it that you wanted to try and convey? About people, when in in choosing to those kind of very geometric shapes and that sort of thing.
2: I just wanted to, um, I I just wanted to k- kind of draw someone, make it look as professional as possible, and um and make it look and make it as simple as possible, so it would be easy for me to do. Really, to be perfectly honest with you, mm. I was just trying to, I created a style where where I feel I can knock a portrait off in about an hour's time, basically. That's that's that was the that was the idea, really, just so I can do one after the other, like, like, like on a production line, because because um, I get bored and my work quite easily. So, so basically, so I just want to look at my work, bish bash bosh, get it done, work on another one, and I needed to create a style that um, that um, you know that I could do quickly. But at the same time, but the most important thing was to actually get, is get the likeness, otherwise. The style doesn't even matter, really. It could have been anything else, mm. but the, the most important thing is, is, to, is, to, is to capture that likeness. But yeah, ultimately, he's trying to get from A to B in as short a time as possible, is why that style is created, basically. So, um, of all the sort of footballers that have seen your
0: work, are there any out there that you think oh, I would really like it if they'd seen this particular drawing I've done of
2: them? Um, you know what? Oh, I, I'm. To be perfectly honest with you, I I don't actually care if they've seen them or not. Really, you mean it's, it's not something <laughs> I, I ever worry about. To be perfectly honest with you, um, yeah. But no, I, oh, that's a hard question. I never even thought about that one because because, because most of almost the, the United ones have done now. They, the actual players have seen them all, basically. So yeah, so that's quite nice because because what because what you get is is like what I've noticed more recently is um, you get um, fans that. That buy my prints, and they'll go along to kind of like like press things and get the players to, to sign him. You see. But yeah. um, I don't, oh, I don't know. I'm just I'm, I'm looking around. Perlo, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. In fact, actually, I just noticed Perlo. I do love my Perlo. I love Perlo. He looks. He's a very handsome man. He is. And, and that's the reason why I did him. And when he grew his beard, I felt he was even more handsome. <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, I'd love to see him. I'd love to know what he thinks of, of his portrait. You might have seen it. I don't know. As, I have. As as um, as I know, like most United players, have seen their own. I mean, I had a quite matter using one avatar for his Instagram page a few months ago. So that was quite
0: nice. That's pretty good, isn't it? Especially since it's Juan Mata, so you feel like he would appreciate he'd appreciate the the artistry behind the work somehow.
2: Oh yeah, no, no, that was uh, it was great. What, when someone like like, like tweeted me Juan Mata's using your picture. It's like, oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> you know? But then like somebody introduced me to Juan, like at a at some big f- football thing, and he and he said, look, this is Stan, like um. Is your picture? Is this picture that you use for his uh, Instagram picture? And, he's, and he came all over, all over, really apologetic. I'm really sorry for stealing your picture, <laughs> <laughs> for permission. And I'm like, hey, hey, man, it's fine. You know? <laughs> it's really cool, you know. I'm, I'm more than chuffed that you, you that you've been using it. I, I illustrated Ashley Young, and I put it on Instagram. I tagged him in it, and then the day after, he untagged himself. <laughs> so I guess I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's that is really mean, good. So not all of them are like you know are home runs. You know some. You know I don't think all all the players like the ones I've done. You know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is that is an excellent story. Um, and talking of current United players, what do you make of United at the moment? Are you are you in the camp that sees a kind of big underlying improvement, or are you, do you think maybe there's a bit of Emperor's New Clothes somewhere between the
2: two? I think the United squad is is great at the moment. I think I think you know, like don't get me wrong, like all teams need improving, but but for, for where we are now. And, and after seeing the last three years I think the, the score is really good I like the fact that we can actually put out two first elevens that look really strong you know I remember like a few a few weeks ago I mean like against Wigan we put out a there's a complete new a new lineup and then the week after against Hull, there's another completely new lineup yeah but and both teams look strong you know it, it, I mean like I mean, like during the FA Cup, so many teams put like like a second string team, and and messed up basically. But you know, we have a second string team that looks as, almost as strong as the first first eleven. You know it's, it's come to a point where we don't even know what our strongest first eleven is now. And I think that's actually a good thing, you know, because mm-hmm. it gives other other players uh, like um, not more more opportunity, but it gives them more impetus to to maybe work hard and get into that the so-called first 11 and but, but it isn't the first 11 I think Jose's chopped and changed it enough to make all the players feel like they're they're valid squad members
0: yeah and and who are the who are the players in the squad that have stood out to you this season
2: this season well yeah and t- Tony 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 V yeah I mean it like he's looking like the best right back we've had since I don't know Gary Neville I don't know uh, yeah it's Raphael, you know. It's um, he's been he's been formidable this season, and um, I mean, I, I love it when Juan comes on. You know, he seems to he seems to pop up and do good things.
0: Yeah, I feel like Tony V's face is the closest to a Stan Chow illustration in real life in the squad. Which is ironic because I've not actually done Tony V yet. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you just put up a photo and you're pretty much there. It's the cheekbones. <laughs>
2: yeah. But in general, I, I, there's, there's been no real, sh- like for me, there's been no kind of like um, a shining star this season. I think right. like generally, like most of the players have upped the game and, and I leave every game with being impressed by someone different every every week, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, obviously some players have really bad games, but they make up for it like a few weeks after, you know. And, um, I mean, it's been, it's been a... It's been great this season, to be honest with you. That's kind of how
0: I feel about it. I mean, I understand when people say, yeah, come on, we're sixth in the league. That's not great. But I don't think I've, well, I mean, there's been games which have been really frustrating. But at Old Trafford in particular, I don't think we've been terrible at Old Trafford all season, really, have we? Well, I think
2: the only game that really disappointed me was the whole game. Yes, I mean, the last full game, I mean, because we just didn't f- have any fire in our bellies that game. Where the other games, like Stoke, Burnley, Everton, I felt we, we should have won them easily. And we played great football. We just didn't mm. score the, those goals, which is, that's, that, that's the most frustrating thing about it. I mean, like, there, there were games when I'll leave, nil, I'll, I'll leave the game, we drew, and I would have felt happier than, than times when we won 1-0 the season before, you know. Yeah, there's a few games like one nil last season. I'm like, we only won one 0 and that was because the football's atrocious and I hate it. <laughs> yeah. you know? but be, there were games like this season where it was nil nil. Football's great, and that's and um, and I feel like there's you know there's more potential in this this team <laughs> and, with, and with the new manager than than the season before.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think on that optimistic note, Stan, thank you so much. This is this is a pleasure. Uh, it's a real pleasure to speak to you. I'm a huge fan of the work and long may it continue. Thank you very much, Paul. All right, take care. Cheers. Bye. And a massive thanks to uh, to Stan for joining us. Um, a, a pleasure to talk to him. Uh, should we should we get some feedback from the listeners at this point, Ed, before we, we before we start talking about Southampton?
1: listeners <laughs> no.
2: all
0: right all right how many pints of guinness do you, have you had you need to at this point we need full disclosure i had three i mean it's it's a warm-up that is not even proper drinking <laughs> i think the last time that you recorded a rank cast tipsy was the bonus thing we did when RVP vp signed and the time before that was um the champions league final when we recorded some stuff in the <laughs> pub
1: well yeah that was a few more than three pints
0: <laughs> yes it was indeed um, at paolo underscore cruz says just finished a tie against a french team so rank the french players players who have played for united how many till you get to prunier that was a good <laughs> question um could so you name my, them all i don't know about all of them but i'll have a go eric is obviously number one ever number two Martial number three uh so there's Laurent blanc is he next oh Fabian barthez I suppose he nudges out Blanc for just sheer longevity, um, and also, did Blanc ever have a good game for us? I'm not not convinced. He wasn't that bad. Um, who've I missed? David oh, Bellion. Uh not 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 one of the all time greats. <laughs> it's fair to say.
1: That, that, um, look, should like we I'm debate missing that?
0: Someone. Is Bellion amongst <laughs> the all time greats? <laughs> and then Prunier last, I guess. I think he's bottom of the pile. I think Bellion scored once.
1: Did Prunier just play the once? Uh, well, no, I think he played a couple of times. I mean, he played in that 4-1 defeat at Tottenham, didn't he? Uh, yeah. I don't know.
0: I'm saying yes like I know. I've got no idea. The William Prunier legacy escapes me. Who have I, have I missed anyone? Have I missed any big... big oh, Paul Pogba, obviously. <laughs> right. Um, he's right up there at the top, top, top most end. Um, Morgan Schneiderlin... I don't know where he fits above Blanc, below Bartes. It's very arbitrary this ranking business.
1: I mean, Bartes was okay for a season or so. Yeah, he was. I mean, but his it, craziness it, came out.
0: It all went wrong. Um, at follow my trawler says, I reckon Zlatan must be the United player I'd least like to fight ever. <laughs> who, would, who would join him in United's all-time hardest eleven? Well, if you're, if you don't think you'd rather fight Zlatan than Keno. I mean, I definitely like you. Zlatan might show mercy and let you walk away with all your limbs intact.
1: Kilo would not. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm quite sure Zlatan is very hard, um, but not psychotic. Mm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Eric, you would not want to put a phone
1: unhinged. Those tackles. So, yeah, you're not quite sure what he'll do. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. basically, pick most of the ninety-four side. They were hard. Yeah, they were. I mean, Rob Brian Robson, obviously. Um,
0: although you just like push his shoulder at the right way, and it would dislocate, and you'd be all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't want to fight any the least, the least physically impressive Man United player ever. Could probably beat me up. I think it's fair to say. Such is my very limited fight-based experience. At FP Dad O One. Says if United win the Europa League and get the Champions League spot, who would you most like to be fourth in the Premier League at the time? City or Liverpool? Uh, Rankcast fan from Manila. <laughs> Thanks,
1: <laughs> Fred. Um, I... Nice. As as an alternative to uh, who would you least like to win the Premier League?
0: Yeah, I uh, I I think, I mean, obviously Liverpool, obviously. But I, I mentioned this the other day, and loads of people sent me messages going. Even if the fourth place team would get a place, if United won the Europa League. Now, I really thought that wasn't the case anymore. I thought they'd said definitively that's not the case.
1: No, they they weren't. So, uh, no, I, I checked this up because I uh, I took your your uh, your fact on the podcast and uh, wrote it in a right. piece on so- RankCast and got corrected as well. So no apparently English teams would have to win both the Euro- European Cup Champions League Right, which, sorry what a team not in the top 4 like
0: Leicester would have to win yeah. it
1: yeah yeah Leicester and and uh, United would have to win the Europa League uh, both outside <laughs> yes. for the fourth place to miss out yeah could happen but unlikely yeah uh, by the way French players that you missed out yeah. some good some good ones I'm here sure. Michel Savestra <laughs> oh dear yeah do you remember
0: Do you remember when we watched uh, Man United 2, Newcastle 1 in the mid-2000s and we were right down the Stretford end end in the in the north stand and the goal was scored in front of Case K-Stand, the Newcastle goal, and you were like, I have no idea, I can't see from here, but that was definitely Mikel Sylvester's fault. And then it was absolutely <laughs> Mikel <laughs> Sylvester's fault when we watched it on Tally later. Yeah,
1: but he could hit a 90-yard cross-field pass like no one. <laughs> yes, Wow, he had a heavy left foot. Uh, Louis Sahar, we didn't mention. Oh, yeah,
0: now that's that's a big oversight. I loved watching yeah.
1: Sahar play. Uh, me too, yeah. I mean, I'm very unlucky with injuries uh, for United, but scored 40-odd goals for the club. Gabriel Obertan. Oh, uh, yes. Is he still at Newcastle? I think not.
0: I think he is not, but I wouldn't swear to it. Mm. He was there for a, Actually, a lot longer than seemed reasonable to expect when they when they signed him. Uh-huh. Uh, is that it? Is that that's, that's all it. the ones I've missed? Okay, I, I feel like out of that list, really only Luis Sahara warrants mention in the potential top five.
1: Wow, harsh,
0: um, harsh on
1: Silvestre. Do you think uh, one of the strangest transfers ever, wasn't it? Silvestre, <laughs> was thinking that <laughs> <laughs> leaving United for Arsenal. Two of the
0: strangest transfers, really. Silvestre going to Arsenal and Obertan going to another Premier League club at the time. Uh, but yeah, no, the Silvestre one was completely bizarre. Uh, the, we sell you, Sylvester. You sell us, Van Persie. That, that kind of shows the way the relationship went between Wenger and Bergson <laughs> over time. Um, At King Khaled 7 says, how can we learn from the Chen fans? Their support is simply amazing. They did not see it stop for one second. I mean, it's not about learning from them. It's about recognising who, what the kind of cultural expectations yeah. of the ground are. If If United's ground was that big then they'd make the same amount of noise as that because the, the people who got the tickets would be the people that would do that.
1: Hmm. Maybe, or, or, you know, the way tickets are allocated these days, maybe not mm. <laughs> uh, because it might just be the people who paid most money to yes, get in there. True. I mean, you know, look, I, as someone who spent a lot of time going to games in the, the early 90s and, and late 80s and stuff, there was a great atmosphere at Old Trafford. Mm. Right? It was one of the grounds that that really did generate it. And the Stretford End and the K-Stand both standing uh, played off each other. Mm. And um, plenty of games where, well, (laughs) uh, anecdote for you, the one and only time uh, I have taken my mother to a game, And took it in Stratford End, she hated it, because everyone was bouncing on each other for the whole game, and I'm pretty sure someone urinated down the back of her leg, so it's like, hey, it's Stratford End, that's what you do.
0: Atmosphere comes at a cost, it's fair
1: to say. That's right. Um, So, you know, what we have at Old Trafford today, where it's a, a mixture of, you know, sure, that crowd and season ticket holders have been there for 50 years and are all 90 years old um, and people day tripping and lots of tourists and stuff like that makes a difference in terms of like what you get out of Old Trafford and, and you still do have the group of people who want to sing and have their repertoire of songs and and United you know, still probably has the biggest repertoire of songs of any team in certainly in England Uh, but they're not able to generate the same atmosphere as in the past. And, and like, there's a few real specific things too. First of all, one of the things that you
0: absolutely have to factor in is the weird acoustics of the three-sided ground, you know, the, the multiple heights at Old Trafford. Really messes with the acoustics, so if you are in the k stand, you can hardly hear the Stretford end even when the Stretford end is really loud. I mean, you only have to be a little bit of the way across the halfway line in the north or south stand, and you can't really hear the stretford end um the so there are these kind of acoustic problems with the ground, and if you are standing in the top tier of the Stretford end most games you'll feel like you're in a ground with a good atmosphere because around there it does have one. You know, it gets really noisy even in some of the smaller games. But a lot of that noise is kind of bounces off the roof and and doesn't travel and, and, you know, the atmosphere is very contained in specific sections of the ground. And I don't really know what you can do about that. It would be very interesting if they ever did make all the ceilings the same height to see what would happen, especially if they reangled the ceilings. Because I think the fact that the the roofs kind of slant downwards, it must must have a kind of dampening effect on the sound.
1: Yeah, maybe sound editor, producer Tom, could tell us. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, well, look, of course, we didn't talk about it a couple of weeks ago when there were, uh, yet again, the same sort of noises coming about. Uh, United doing a feasibility study into sort of boosting ground capacity by working on the... the um, the uh, South Stand, yeah, right. So <laughs> funny this was. So uh, United announced their their redevelopment of uh, the old K Stand scoreboard and uh, and the disabled facilities there is going to cut down capacity on about three thousand. I write a piece saying this is highly commendable and and well done United for taking the lead on this. But by the way, in terms of developing. Um, developing Old Trafford, nothing's happened under the Glazers at all. We're falling behind competitors because Arsenal obviously got new ground, Spurs getting a new ground, Chelsea getting a new ground, Liverpool extending the ground, City extended the ground, and, and so on. Um, and then, uh, not not uh, 30 minutes after I posted that one, uh, stories started coming out about uh, United potentially doing so Terrible timing. Uh, all the PR departments very, very concerned about uh, United Rants' influence. <laughs> I'm thinking that's probably not true. Seems a
0: little unlikely. It seems, it seems very
1: unlikely. unlikely, yeah. But look, they, I know they did a feasibility study about five years ago. It looked like it was very expensive. They're waiting for technology to develop enough that they don't have to go over the train tracks. There was a concern with the houses on that south stand side. Would they have to buy them? They bought a load of houses at one stage and then sold them all back again when they decided not to redevelop. So, you know, a big question over the South Stand. For the moment, United are stuck where they are and will, in fact, lose capacity... Um, and they won't be, in like, balancing out the height of the roofs and all of that. Nothing will change.
0: Yeah, I mean, the feasibility study was su- suggesting that because the technology's improved, the train tracks aren't as much of a problem as they used to be in terms of the building technology having improved, which I just thought was interesting um, for, you know, just as a kind of, oh, this is, this is what's happened in society. Um, and so th- th- that'll be, it'll be, as you say, it'll be f- fascinating to see what happens next. Um couple more questions at cryptic Android. This is a question we get asked um from time to time uh the long term listeners will no doubt know the answer to this one, but he wants to know how we first met uh We were very small children, and our mums were friends there you go that's that's what happened uh i don't I don't ever remember a time before I knew you, Ed. It was
1: a wonderful time. let me tell you. <laughs>
0: The best time. Um, Huge. United are advertising for a player care assistant. Says at Trisha, who do you think needs the most caring and assisting in the team?
1: <laughs> player care assistant. What does a player care uh, assistant do? I, I guess this is a bag carrier. Well, we have we have a clip
0: uh, from Tricia has provided source ma- resource material for this. Assisting with all aspects of relocation requirements, including hotel and rented accommodation. Assisting with all aspects of settlements in the UK, okay. including setting up mobiles, yeah, email yeah. addresses.
1: Yeah, B- because blah, 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 the players blah. don't do anything for themselves these days. Yeah, sure.
0: Well, no, I mean, I think, I think it's very easy to be no, no. snarky I about know, that. No, not I'm not I'm actually... actually
1: being flippant. I'm sure this helps a lot when you bring a player in, especially from... Outside of England, perhaps they don't speak English. Uh, someone to, exactly. to help with all of that kind of stuff and take that stress away just allows them to focus on football.
0: Yeah. Uh, as for who needs the most caring and assisting, I think it might be Luke Shaw at the moment. Um, at Maz underscore man underscore untd, friend of the show says, I know it's too soon to talk transfers, but how expensive would it be to trade Chris Smalling for Mike Smalling?
1: <laughs> yeah, well. Strange player, Smalling, isn't he? You know, you keep feeling like he's going to progress to be a a very good defender. Uh, 27-year-old Chris Smalling. Yeah, and then looks like he's not again. Uh, at
0: Gary underscore 1105 says, have you spoken to your siblings as much in the last five years as the Pogba brothers have in the last 90 minutes? That's what, that was Roy Keane's quote that I was trying yes. to... Yes. I
1: mean, wow. Harsh from Keane, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Be- because, you know, somehow speaking to your brothers is not manly enough. <laughs> this is the thing.
0: The problem with that is not that Pogba talked to his brother too much in the last 90 minutes. It's that Keane hasn't spoken to his siblings enough in the last five years. It's like it'd be a bit wet, you know.
1: A bit gay, isn't it, talking to my brother.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, at Sarnia Red would, Says Would Timothy Fosumenta Be a best last 20 minute sub Than Fellaini Depends what you need But
1: it's an interesting point yeah, It kind of it kind of does I mean from a defensive point of view Which is It's quite often When Fellaini's brought on Fellaini's a total liability Now It's not like we've seen Fosumenta In the first team In a defensive midfielder role Very often Hardly ever um, he's a very talented player, very, very talented player. In terms of, like, if you're desperate to score a goal and you're going to launch it, you want Fellaini up there for sure.
0: Uh, at Jay Horry says, uh, on the next RankCast, can you recommend some United books very quickly? Uh, Fergie's first autobiography, Keane's, both Keane's autobiographies, um, the Danny Taylor, This Is The One, uh, the story of Alex Ferguson's oh four oh five and oh five oh six seasons um Zlatan's so autobiography when it gets updated to include the united chapter
1: uh, uh, that should be entertaining shouldn't it
0: any any that i've missed big ones any good big ones that i've missed uh
1: no i mean we did this on a patreon beckers bit a few months ago no didn't we or we definitely I don't done... think
0: we've ever done united books we, uh, we did more books more generally no they
1: they're all very good uh, the other one i enjoy a few years old uh this one is Eamon dunphy's strange kind of glory if you That's if it. you can accept the kind of snarky criticism i mean i can i can't stand listening to dunphy i just just can't do it it's uh, it's not healthy for anyone uh, but the book's quite good you know, it, it goes into the kind of shenanigans of the how the club was structured and run in the 80s. So
0: I'm going to breeze through a couple. At Balls says, uh, given the figures quoted for Griezmann, who's not a natural fit for the current side, wouldn't Verratti be a much better option for 80 to 100 million? I've
1: seen loads yeah, of like sure, this. You can't market that. Come on. <laughs> and also,
0: my mum's cousin doesn't know Marco Verratti's dad. So, I'm less interested in that transfer on that basis. So,
1: your mum's cousin's milkman's hairdresser.
0: (laughs) Um, At Waldinho2000 says, What relation is the Falcao that plays for Monaco to the one that played for United? Nephew. Wow.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I mean, he absolutely destroyed John (laughs) Stones, didn't he? I mean, (laughs) when he's turned him in and John Stones is all on his arse and he's chipped it in. I mean, not only is that an amazing goal from Falcao, I mean, absolute worldy, but he's just ruined John Stones there. I mean, uh, after that game, the only logical conclusion you can come to about this player is that he's a far better striker than he is a defender.
0: (laughs) Yes, um, at Carl Matchett says, "What isn't Ashley Young? Why isn't Ashley Young?" All right, Carl, having a go. You've you're playing James Milner at left back, so you
1: know I, I can't remember. He's about uh, no, one point six million pounds per goal <laughs> scored or created something Played like that
0: twice in the last two weeks. It's a, a staggering amount of Ashley Young-based content we've seen. And perfectly acceptable as well at right there Yeah, mm, few times where it was a bit like, oh, if you were 10% better, you'd have been a heck of a player. Um, and the final question, which is not to... I'm only including this question as it's a natural segue into a topic we kind of have to discuss. This is not hashtag agenda. When Rooney leaves, will his performances over the last few years tarnish his legacy? It says, asks at the curse of Chris. Now, I think the answer to that is no, I think that, in fact, the sooner he leaves, the quicker people will be to completely rewrite the last few years of history. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. I've got no problem with that. No,
1: I, I, think, I think that's what people will do. And uh, I, I think he'll get a very sort of positive legacy and obituary. That's not the right word. But, no, but on you know, his United career. Um, yeah. uh, and and uh, yeah, I'm fine with that too. So I think one of the one of the interesting things about Rooney though is um, not not only is it about his performances, but it's about the way he leaves. And and I think there's credit due to Mourinho here uh, for how he's very successfully managed uh, Rooney out of the side with very little drama.
2: Right? it
0: looks like there has been some drama, or at least someone somewhere is trying to concoct some drama in the last few days. Um, because there is serious football journalists reporting that Rooney is seriously considering or someone somewhere is seriously considering Rooney to move to China yeah, yeah. like
1: now yeah well so um I, it seems like there is more pressure coming from China than from within the Rooney camp and and maybe United have made the decision that they're okay Rooney moving on, you know, so if you believe Red News and their sort of snarky, like, uh, insidery, gossipy Twitter stuff, Uh, they're basically insinuating that um, Mourinho hasn't spoken to Rooney in months. I'm not sure that's quite true. Did you um, mean Red Issue, by the way? that, doesn't, yeah, sound, does that, that doesn't sound like Red News. Red Issue, sorry. Red News yes. are
0: an a, all-round friendlier bunch.
1: Snarky, mean, snidey, <laughs> kind of bitchy. Yeah, definitely Red. Red Issue. issue yeah, Barney's very nice. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see whether that's true or not. But uh, so you know, perhaps the club have made the decision right. You know, now that they were okay, we were really going. Um, whether now in the summer and really is only a matter of timing now, isn't it, rather than if. Um, and, and Rooney must have made the decision because there's no route back from here no. for him. It's not as if he's suddenly going to find form and he'll be back in the team. You know, Mourinho has made the decision that he's he's not a part of this team. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, you know, best he can hope for is 10, 20 minutes here and he's there. He's
0: part of the squad and the best he can hope for is is 45 minutes or 90 minutes against lesser teams as well. But, you know, in the big games, he's just not going to be a factor, is he?
1: Barely started a game in months.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, no, absolutely. And and he hasn't started a big game. And, and the couple of times where Mourinho turned to him, it was uh, a mixed success. Um, although, you know, in the end, there was the goal. There was the pre-assist um, against Liverpool. But the all-round contributions clearly aren't there. But, yeah, I, I think... I I it will be I mean it'd be a massive story. Imagine if by the time the next rank goes out Rooney's moved to China.
1: It just seems impossible to even imagine that could be a thing. So, hey, here's a question for you. What wouldn't you do for 35 million pounds a year? <laughs>
0: There's so many things I wouldn't do because I don't really care that much about money and uh, I just want enough to be like not have to worry about bills.
1: That's that is my financial goal. I mean, I mean to be fair, you're not going to worry about too many bills with 35 million pounds a year. But
0: like, there's just so many things I wouldn't do. The list is so long. Um, you know, who need you don't need 35 million. What's
1: it gonna? What's what's
0: that gonna do for you?
1: There, there were <laughs> reports this week saying uh, Carlos Tevez has decided he doesn't really like China. He's playing at Shanghai Xinhua. And uh, and he'd quite like to go home in the most predictable headline of the year.
0: Shocking, shocking news. I
1: can just see, yeah, when Rooney's playing and he doesn't look like he's going to some big metropolitan centre. Um, yeah, Rooney a few months time. It's a bit like a foreign country, this one. <laughs> um,
0: uh, right, so talking of Tevez and Rooney, uh, they played together in the glorious United 2007-8 series. And our next guest recently uh, wrote a video for you, Max It, which I think I might mention in the interview, actually, um, which was a kind of illustrated history of that team and the tactics of that team, which is well worth a watch. Um, but he's a Southampton fan. And so uh, I thought, given that we normally do terrible previews, and this is an actual cup final that we should probably give due respect to previewing, um, I had a chat with Alex Stewart about Southampton. Absolutely delighted this week to be joined by Alex Stewart. Alex is a football writer and a Renaissance man. Alex, is that fair? Would we we go?
3: Um, I I think that's quite harsh on 16th century Italy, but.
0: um but also a Southampton fan um
3: that that I am yes I can't deny that I
0: was thinking uh about how I don't really know anything about Southampton I was gonna go like so how's Ronald Koeman doing and I was like nope nope that's definitely not right <laughs> it's uh the quietest manager in all of football Claude Puel is 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 he doing a good job
3: well it's I mean yeah we're in a cup competition final aren't we so that's that's something to be pleased about um I think things have been quite up and down and and I know there's been disgruntlement within certain sections uh of the fans about um the the fact that we we've not built on the successes of of last season and the season before when we've been sort of slowly crawling up the table the experimentation with uh having Nathan Redmond uh, as a striker um, hasn't really worked. He looks much, much better out wide. Tadic, who was superb for us last season, hasn't or hadn't been playing as much as he should have done. Um, but now we've, you know, we've signed Manolo Gabbiadini and he looks very, very good. Um, uh, we've signed uh, Martin Kakeras as well. So, you know, he's bringing in some good people. Um and I think the the window, the January window, was good for us. So I, I think the second, one, well, it's not even the second half of the season, is it really? It you know the final third of the season will be perhaps a fairer way to judge him. Um, but I'd say it's pretty fifty fifty at the moment.
0: He's a uh, he's the quietest person I've ever heard speak in real life. I think I was sat in a press conference and he was mic'd up, and I just could not hear a word he was saying. I wonder about his communication with players. I mean, it seems almost reductive to wonder about that, but it's verbal communication is surely like an important part of a manager's job.
3: Yeah. Verbal communication and presence. Um, And I mean, he he signed Jeremy Pierre from Nice. And I think, uh, which was the team he managed before. And the two of them kind of came over together and then Pierre, very unfortunately got injured um, and has basically been out for the entire season. But I do wonder whether that was part of a sort of, uh, you know, to have somebody in the dressing room who'd worked with him before, who understood him, because he had no reputation in English football, really. Um, I'm not saying that, like, that's a bad thing. I mean, you know, Silver at Hull had no reputation in English football either, and he's doing a great job. But I think sometimes if a manager comes in from a smaller side abroad, it, it can possibly be difficult to kind of bring a dressing room around. Having said that, I also suspect that Southampton are one of the more, I don't want to say pliable clubs, but, you know, we've had a reasonably high turnover of managers, um, but we've had good ones. And and I think there's probably a confidence in the dressing room that the people we're bringing in are good people to work with and for. So, uh, you know, I expect that the players, you know, we don't, we don't have a high turnover of players because people are desperate to leave because Southampton's an awful club. We have a high turnover of players because players do extremely well at Southampton and attract the attention of bigger clubs and we can't hold on to them. So, you know, I think the atmosphere there is good. The the, the structure there is good and people have confidence in what the, the backroom leadership team are doing. Um, but I think your point is very valid. You know, is he the sort of guy who can really dominate Maybe that's why it's taken him a bit of time to get his ideas across, um, and and I think that he's had a an issue for me in terms of of the setup of the midfield. You know, we've we've got some very strong central midfielders, but he kind of has vacillated between. You know, we we've played this sort of mostly Oriol Romeo in the in the holding role where he has excelled, but then the two players that are alongside him. You know, it's it's Stephen Davis or it's James Wood Prowse or it's Jordi Classy or it's Pierre emile Hoiberg, and he hasn't really settled on what combination there he wants. Um, and I think that's probably the area where I've looked at him and gone, you, you know, you need to be more emphatic, you need to be more assertive, um, and and stick with with a couple of guys and and really develop them in those positions. And Hoiberg, I think, is a fantastic player. Um. Classy should have been really good and just hasn't quite kind of um, developed in the way I would have have hoped. Um, But no, you know, I think think he's done all right for a quiet man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I feel like it would be good if he could
0: prove that there's more than one way to uh, run a dressing room. But, you know, that's on behalf of quiet people everywhere. He could be a quiet champion, which is better than Ian Duncan Smith being quiet champion i guess anyway that's a whole we don't want to no let's let's um, not go into politics (laughs) um uh tune into the illustrated game podcast if you want to hear either me or alex talk about things other than football it's a football podcast in theory but it's just not though is it it just isn't
3: a football podcast at all i mean our conversations roam god i can't even we've talked about all manner of stuff on the illustrated game, Joe seems to do everything he can to draw the conversation away from football. Yeah, he asked me a load of questions about football
0: the first time I went on. I was really offended. <laughs> 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 it's like, oh, right, okay. Is that all you think I'm good for, Joe? Anyway, um, uh, we just promised we would talk about Joe during this, so that, that's why that we happened. did. Yes. Um, Hello, Joe. Hi, Joe. Um, the uh, one of the things I wanted to ask about is is tactics. So I, I guess we're looking at a four, two, three, one for Southampton, but what are the kind of nuances about that uh, about that formation for him and, and what are what do you think are the areas where they need to do well if they want a chance against, you know, the mighty Manchester United? Um, well,
3: yeah, so it's it's sort of we've oscillated between a kind of four-three three a four one two one two um and, and sometimes, kind of pushing up into a four-two-three-one. So the fullbacks are both—I mean, as is kind of de rigueur these days—I think quite advanced. Um, and and Bertrand particularly is is very strong. Uh, Romeo tends to drop back as the the deeper lying midfielder, very much as a kind of anchor man, screens the the back line, sometimes even drops as deep as sort of almost becoming a third centre-half, very much like Victor Wanyama did for us when Pochettino was in charge um, and something that he sort of carried over um, into Spurs uh, using either Wanyama or Dyer to do the same thing. Alongside Romeo, then you've got two midfielders, one of whom is more sort of box-to-boxy and one of whom tries to break forward a bit more like I said earlier, um, it's sort of Pickham from four, really. Um, yeah. Stephen Davis, I think, is probably the strongest of that. James Ward Prowse is a superb player with a, probably the best dead ball delivery, certainly in Southampton, arguably of, of any English player playing at the moment. Wow! Um, oh, he's like his corners and free kicks are something else, but he's not quite there yet. I think Hoiberg's got real industry, very, very good, neat passer, but I just think he's maybe a little too similar to Davis. And, and we become perhaps a touch one-dimensional if the the two of them play. Right Ahead of them, you've then got, um, at the moment, I mean, say the game we beat Sunderland um, most recently, it was Tadish Redmond and Gabbiadini, the new signing. What we were doing previously was was often playing um, almost without a striker. And there was a sort of rotating front three who could kind of go wherever they like. Um, Long would sometimes be playing, but he's quite a kind of, he's not really an out-and-out striker. He's there to chase down balls and, and pressure the centre-halves. And, and I think the, the burden of goal-scoring and creativity was very much foisted on on Nathan Redmond, uh, Tadic, Sofian Buffel when he wasn't, uh, injured, which he seems to be quite a lot, unfortunately. Mm. Again, Jay Rodriguez as well, who's sort of a striker, sort of an inside forward. So, I think I think we're now going to be more predictable in that. I think Gabbiadini will be the focal point, a proper striker, if that's not a rather kind of odd phrase to use. Mm. With with Redmond playing wide right uh, as a winger, uh, and Tadic playing on the left, but kind of drifting inside. And license to get right across into the hole and try and make stuff happen as well. Where can we beat United? Um, that was my, that was literally my next question. Yeah, I think look, I think it's it's going to be tough. Um, defensively, the the departure of Font has has certainly weakened us. Um, I've always had concerns about uh, Yoshida. Uh, Jack Stevens has the potential to be very good but he's he's still young so I mean the first thing we need to do is is ensure that our centre-backs with the support of Romeo, have have a strong game that Romeo picks up either Zlatan if he drops off deep or whoever's playing in the hole behind him um, I think you'll see a very competitive central midfield performance trying to deny Pogba time on the ball particularly um, I've I, did some stats work for you max it on Pogba and and he definitely suffers when teams press him hard. Um, he has much less of an impact as opposed to against teams that drop off. So I think you'll, you'll see, you know, really kind of snapping into tackles and, and squeezing the ball a lot. And you know, we played for what for good three seasons as a properly effective pressing side. So I don't, I don't think that'll be too much of a problem. Um, and then it's looking to exploit the fact that we've just got in Tadic a very tricky creative player. Redmond's got a bucket full of pace and Gabbiadini can score goals. So, you know, it it, it I don't think there's gonna be anything incredibly complex about what happens. It's gonna be keep it tight, you know, squash your danger men and and see what we can do on the break.
0: So um what what worries you about United
3: setup? What do you look at and think, uh-oh. Um, I mean, you know, you've got some very good players. Um, Zlatan is... I think it's fantastic that he's doing so well, particularly at his age, people coming in going, oh, you know, he's a flat-track bully, he can't do it in England, Uh, he's passed it, he's only in it for the money, all of that stuff, and he's really turned around and stuck two fingers up at them um, in in typical Zlatan style. I think you've, you've also got in Ander Herrera probably one of the two or three most complete midfielders in the league at the moment I'd say you know he's up there with Kanté and Henderson in that sort of slightly deeper central midfield role uh, and he is excelling um and in Pogba you've got someone who can always make stuff happen mm. so I think the danger with United is that when they click uh, and I you know I did I did quite a bit of work on United earlier in the season and I was looking at their their metrics and just kind of waiting for this to happen because yeah. There wasn't a lot that they were doing wrong, except for their shot conversion. You know, United were actually playing pretty decent football. Their passes were reaching who they were supposed to. They were quite aggressive. They were creating a lot of chances. They were transitioning the ball forwards, nice and quickly. Um, they just, and I think I think Zlatan and Pogba take a bit of responsibility for this. Partly, just I'm sure they were trying to settle and trying to impress, but they were basically shooting on sight. Mm. And, and missing a lot of the time. And I was looking at it thinking, as soon as these guys start converting their chances, they are going to be a really dangerous team.
1: Mm. Um,
3: and that ha- that's what's happened since, I guess, really since sort of the end of November. Um, yeah, And, you know, we know that Mourinho is a very effective manager. Um, yes, there was the the aberration at Chelsea last season, but I think that was more about his relationship with the players than him. Suddenly, forgetting how to set a team up, yeah. Um, and I think the the man management aspect, the mind games, all of that crap can can overshadow just how incredibly bright he is tactically. You know, you you think back to what he achieved with Inter, for example. That that was a pure tactics victory. What he did yeah. with Inter, um, and getting players to buy into a system that was antithetical to the way they played before. So he just needed a bit of time. Um, he needed his kind of big name players to really click for him, which they are now starting to do. Um and I I I can't see much other than a Manchester United victory in this game. Obviously, I would love it to be different. <laughs> I, I would like nothing more. Um because, you know, we've not oh well, we won the St Johnston's Paint Trophy and Whenever it was, I can't even remember now. But, you know, we've not won anything significant since 1976. So um, a, a cup would be amazing. But, you know, you're you're a very good side. So <laughs> it's a bit that depressing. Was gonna, it was going to be my last question, actually, because obviously almost
0: everyone listening to this will uh, want United to win. Um, but what would it mean to... Southampton to win like what would it mean to you for Southampton to win a trophy I,
3: I mean it would be I, I think anybody who, who sort of goes oh well it's only the EFL Cup or I mean that's crap every team wants to win stuff and and for Southampton with this you know we've not we had the 2003 FA Cup final where we lost to Arsenal and we've not really troubled anybody significantly since then yeah. in terms of actually coming close to winning something um this is a club that's that's had serious financial problems, relegation all the way down to League One has basically rebuilt itself more or less from scratch. Um and and to you know the the, the achievement of the, the highest ever Premier League finish last season and then and then a cup final um this season. That's something to be incredibly proud of, however it it ends up. Um and I don't think you know. I, I'm. Yeah, I may not be a typical fan in this respect, but I'm. I wouldn't be at all bitter if we don't win because yeah. it's it's a fantastic achievement to get there. Um, I just think it would be it would be a kind of a vindication more than anything of the the way the club is run, the fact that there is an emphasis on developing young players, on nurturing talent. um, an acceptance that yes we will have to sell some of those players to bigger teams um or in the case of font to west ham um (laughs) and that you know that, that there's there's a turnover that that you have to think and plan strategically for the fact that in two or three years time a lot of our best players will have to have been replaced and there'll be new people in in their shoes but uh to to maintain a, an ethos within the club uh, a systematic approach to the way we run ourselves despite all of that happening and to get to a final and to have performed creditably in the premier league for the last couple of seasons and hopefully improve our standing this season you know that's that's a really great thing
0: brilliant thank you very much for your time alex where can where can the people find you uh
3: <laughs> where can they find me um hiding in cricklewood mostly um <laughs> If uh, if you go onto Twitter, I'm on at AFH Stewart, which is with an EW. Um and I I mean I'm all over the place. The set pieces, Umax it, um, put Neils in Goal, my own blog. So um yeah, come come find me or just Look for me in Cricklewood. I'm grumpy and I have a beard. It shouldn't be difficult to find me.
0: If you're a fan of Football Manager, you should definitely check out the anthology of football writing that Put Niels in Goal put out. I really thoroughly enjoyed that, Alex. £4, pound yes. very well spent.
3: Thank you very much. Yes, um, it, it was a real joy to put it together. and um, um, We had some, some great writers. Joe Devine, who we've mentioned already, <laughs> uh, um, wrote uh, a piece... I can't really describe it except to say the first time I read it, it actually made me cry with laughter. Um, it's it's the
0: inner monologue of a man crumbling in front
3: of your eyes. That's that's what it is. Yeah, which given given the stuff that that me, Matt Stanger, and Ian McIntosh are currently <laughs> enduring uh, on the FM Seventeen project, is remarkably oh, well. I've got you here,
0: Alex. Um, I mean, you've played a lot of football manager in your life and reportedly, I mean, reportedly, according to you, have literally never been sacked before. It's kind of unfortunate that the first time you did, it was watched by literally
3: thousands of people. It's, do you know what? When I first started doing this stuff and the, the first kind of main save that I did was the Bristol City one for the set pieces, which Ian encouraged me to do, um... And you know we we were getting like good numbers of people reading that stuff, and I was staggered by it um, that that you know thousands of people were reading how a bloke sat in his flat and crouched and in his pants and played football manager, which was pretty much what the scenario was at the time. Hmm. We we live streamed this um, the Celtic Rangers game. Was it Monday? I think it was Monday. And and in the course of an hour and a half, we had 57,000 people tuning in to watch. It's beautiful. It's, it just staggers me. And I think it's wonderful. You know, people get in touch and there's, there's suggestions, there's criticism, there's advice, there's all kinds. Like it's really, you know, FM has always had this real community spirit to it. Um, people getting involved, people discussing stuff. Um, there are some guys in the community, people like Cleon, Guido Mary, you know, people will know them if they play football manager, who are who are always there to discuss stuff and offer advice and and support and to kind of transition that into a more of a mainstream blogging environment or or sports site environment and see that kind of carry over and people get real pleasure from from engaging with it and participating in it is just brilliant. Um, yes, it's not brilliant to then get sacked in front of all of them. <laughs> um, and yeah, Rangers is a poison chalice in, in well, in pretty much every respect. But, um, you know, to get promoted and then have your boards just absolutely expect you to win the league despite the fact that Celtic are better, Aberdeen are better, Hearts are better, you've got no money, your squad's not very good, yes, you must win.
0: This is all sounding a bit moist, to be honest, Alex. It's all, it's all sounding a bit like, well, if I'd had more time, the expectations were a bit high.
3: No, I, I, I'm not sure that time... Expectations were the issue. Um, <laughs> and the fact that, that... OK, my first choice centre-half, Danny Wilson, was inevitably always injured. But apart from Wilson... I had in the senior squad, Philippe Senderos, thirty-seven-year-old Clint Hill, and Rob Kiernan. And you, you, you just can't mount a title challenge with them playing at the back. This is why I was trying weird things like Catanaccio and three at the back and stuff. I was just thinking, is there any way I can mitigate how terrible these players are? Um, but now, and pe- no, people you- can follow those adventures at fm17 project on twitter is that right it's at fm17 project on twitter it's it's basically yeah it's being run off the set pieces um and brilliant and it's uh it's all available there there's live streams there's tactics columns there's all manner of of stuff and we should have a new episode out on thursday i don't know when this is going to go i out, think but...
0: probably on thursday so that works well. Well, there you go. <laughs> so it'll
3: be the same day. Um, imagine that a, a surfeit of content. The
0: other thing that I would want to plug of yours before we let you go is the uh Umaxit Illustrated um piece that you did on United 0708, which is uh something that will be dripping with nostalgia for United fans, so people can find Alex's writing and Joe's uh, Joe's drawing and talking uh on the Umaxit you YouTube channel. Alex, thank you so much for your time. Uh,
3: That is my pleasure, Paul. Thank you very
0: much for asking me on. You're welcome. Take care. Thank you very much for that, Alex. So that's kind of the Southampton end of things covered. Absolutely beautiful offside game as well, Alex Stewart. Come on. I'm slightly embarrassed about these jokes.
1: (laughs) He's our guest (laughs) on the show. (laughs) We've been been doing this for, what, six, seven years and now you're embarrassed about the dad jokes? Come on. Um, uh, So...
0: um, we, that's the Southampton side of it covered. Uh, I guess we should talk about the United end of things.
1: Yeah, well, some decisions to make for Mourinho in the cup final, right? So if Mkhitaryan and Carrick are not fit, who comes in? Um, I guess Mata will get a game now. Herrera, what what is it going to be? Herrera, Pogba and someone in central midfield. Um, Mata, Martial, Ibrahimovic... Valencia, by Smalling, Blint, De Gea.
0: So I'm typing. If you can hear typing, it's me typing out an 11. So I get the right number of players. Dave and goal, Valencia right back, by and Smalling, Blint on the left, Herrera and Pogba in a two with Lingard, Mata and Martial ahead of them and Ibrahimović ahead of them. That's I think that's what the team's going to be. I don't think that's what the team's going to be. I think the team's going to have Fellaini in yeah. it, but that's what I think the team should be. Yeah.
1: Actually, I probably agree with you there. I think Lingard for Fellaini is probably more likely to happen. And Fellaini plays in a two with with Herrera and Pogba pushes forward a little bit. Amato will be on the right.
0: But the thing is, the only thing that gives me some hope is that Fellaini was so terrible, and the midfield three of Herrera and Pogba and Fellaini together was specifically so terrible so recently that Mourinho might go, mm, I had to change that at half-time to bring Lingard on. Why don't I just
1: start like that? Mm-hmm. And do you think there's no chance of that? What dirt is it that Fellaini has on people? <laughs> I mean, he he owns a bunch of Russian hotels, right, with secret cameras. Maybe he's just really likeable.
0: Maybe that's it. It's just, you know, people just want him around. So they have to keep playing.
1: I mean, if there's ever a candidate for a purchase by a Chinese Super League club, surely it's Marion Fellaini. Surely they can sell in the marketing department at United can sell anything. Anything. I mean, they will convince like some third rate noodle brand in like Vanuatu that they need to spend all their marketing budget on. United six hundred and fifty nine million pound million follower brand reach, whatever. They can sell Maran Fellaini to like Beijing Super League Club, right? Surely. You'd think so, but they've not proven able to do that so far. I should put a YouTube um, Tom. No, not Tom. one of one of the guys who puts uh, those cracking YouTube videos together. Put it together,
0: Anton. 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 He's too busy now. He's like,
1: he's Anton's way yeah, too busy. Yeah, but he's busy, good at this. Look, look, take know. one for the team. Evening out, <laughs> Put a marketing video together of uh, Maron Fellaini, all his best moments. It's worth a try, surely. But
0: yeah, no, I mean, I, I have to say, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't start. I mean, I would be neither surprised by him starting nor not starting. Um, the other thing is, I I think it would be bizarre if he starts Rashford over Martial. But I'm still not hundred percent sure of where Mourinho sits on this subject. But given how good Martial's been recently, it, it would be, you know.
1: No, and I think I think he I mean Martial obviously got a rest for the Saint etienne game. I'm thinking that's a rest more than dropped.
0: Oh yeah, definitely, yeah.
1: Well oh you say definitely, no, def- but it's not hard to tell. Yeah, no, it's, not yeah. That, yeah.
0: It was a strong team, wasn't it? So
1: So yeah. yeah, let's let's hope so. I mean, I think Martial is the sensible decision to play at left. Oh, I love Rashford, but um, yeah, Martial's clearly the guy who's going to be more dangerous on that uh, that wing. Yeah,
0: and I I wonder whether there's a some semblance of chance that he would play like a four four two with Mata on the right no. and Martial on the left, and Rashford and Ibrahimovic as kind of one as a sort of no. false nine and that.
1: No, he won't.
0: I mean, I don't think he no. will either. But no. these these are the options. No, I mean, I I
1: I think this. I think I wonder whether he might drop Ibra
0: and play Fellaini <laughs> at front. <laughs> I, do you think there's any debate over the back four? I mean, I, I guess the centre back partnership. He's been so reluctant to play by with anyone other than Smalling, which I still find a bit odd. Um, like I would re- it seems the one they'll all play rather than Rocco yeah exactly so because because Bay and Rocco just haven't played together yet Um,
1: maybe he j- maybe they had a falling out maybe it's like Andy Cole and Teddy Sheringham they just yeah don't like maybe each other maybe Mourinho just thinks so. there's just too much rash in that combination if you put <laughs> that is true and they need some well I mean Smalling's not rash is he, he he's not going to do something crazy no. but he will make mistakes yeah
0: absolutely but Bay can kind of cover for those in a way because he's so quick unless he gets himself sent off, sillyly. They, they might have a two-footed off <laughs> by Ian and, and Rocco. At left back, I mean, Blint is in very good form. He was excellent against... Yeah, he,
1: and, and he's the the only choice right now. I mean, sure hasn't played in months. No. Uh, Damian is horrible at left <laughs> yeah. back, just horrible. Real bad, real bad. So, no, it's definitely... Blint has to play there.
0: Okay, and Rocco, we don't want Rocco in the team at left back. Uh, so, what is your score prediction? Are we are you excited about the fact that there's a cup final? It doesn't feel real to me. It's it's so so odd
1: time in the season to be in a cup final. It really is, yeah, and and it's totally the wrong time for me because I'm uh, abroad at the moment. Um, so uh, and <laughs> there's a lot of meetings going on, so I'm going to have to do a weird one of uh, sneaking the first half in during a meeting, which I will undoubtedly do, um, and then rushing to the pub for the second half. Not ideal that one, but yeah. Of course, I'm excited. I mean, it's uh, another chance of silverware. Very good chance of silverware for United. Uh, yeah, there, there was a, a period after Ferguson retired where United didn't get any trips to Wembley. Now we've had like five or six in the past year or so. Um And so, this
0: is four, isn't it? Because we had semi's, final, Community Shield, and League Cup final, right, in quick succession. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean the last four possible trips to Wembley United have been there. It's yeah, exactly. Like, second Home, home again. away from home. Yeah, yeah, as it should be. <laughs> um a very good chance for United. I mean Southampton a decent side but not not uh, not the Southampton of 2 years ago. Um United clearly going to be favorites for this one. After the after the semi
0: when we just scraped past Hull we were in the we were in our kind of second malaisey dip of the season but it was really short lived to that malaise and we've Clearly kicked out and back into some semblance of form now, so I, th- I think it's pretty clear that we're going to have to have a bad day and them have a good day. But that is far from impossible. But on on the balance of things, we've been having more good days than bad lately. And, and...
1: yeah, I mean, there are not loads of standout performances from United across the entire season, right? Not loads of them, uh, but uh, it feels like there's an uptick. You know, solid win against Etienne at home. Um, well, like not a great performance in the cup, but okay, we'll forgive it. And controls against City in a way, you know, I it doesn't feel like United are in one of those dips where uh, they'll create a few chances or miss loads of chances and or we'll miss loads of chances. Uh, I, you know, it feels like this is one that United are set up to win. Yeah, I mean, since that
0: two-one loss to Hull, United are seven nine. 12, 14, 15, 15, 15-1 on aggregate um, since that game. Uh, So, you know, we're we're clearly in a much better vein of form again. Uh, So I, I think... Southampton are are patchy and, and they have got what it takes to put in a really good performance and we have got what it we've got mistakes in us and we've we've got poor attacking performances in us. But the quality in United side should be such that we win. And Mourinho's first silverware with United, which is a really exciting prospect because
1: it's hard to imagine it will be his last. Um of course it won't be. Surely it won't be. I mean, there's the the uh, the momentum here is is building towards a, a title challenge next season. Has to happen. I mean, you know, the, he he said there'll be a limited limited range of move, player movement in the summer. United are going to spend big on a few players. They're going to fix probably fix a couple of key challenges at full-back or at least left-back and if uh, if Shaw doesn't make it uh, they'll probably bring in another centre-back they'll probably bring in a defensive-minded midfielder they kind of need to don't they Um, and and, uh, think about a forward position you know it seems set that the that it seems that the club is set on anton Griezmann. doesn't really feel like that's absolutely what's needed but you know who's going to complain about another world-class player at the squad so next year has to be a shot at the title
0: yeah absolutely um so i guess we're both going to predict a win i would be pretty surprised if if we didn't at this point, after all that.
1: I, I, well, we predict a win every week. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. So,
1: but but this one, you know, I I would be shocked if United put in a a disappointing performance here. Yeah. So I, I think a win, I think it's going to be a sort of 3-1, 2-0 style. I have to pick one, right? Yep. 2-0 to United.
0: I'm going to go with a nervy 2-1 win. I'm going to go with the, uh, because there is, this, there is this kind of slight difficulty they have. In certain high-pressure moments, there was the Liverpool game, so I'm slightly worried about that aspect of of United's collective mentality. But I think they've the quality, and at some point it will. Do you think
1: Southampton have enough to score? Yeah, um,
0: definitely. I mean, they're, 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 you know, they're they're not brilliant, and well, Gabbiadini's been fantastic since he came yeah, in. Yeah, that's so, true. So yeah, I think they definitely do. He's made a big difference to them, um,
1: and they're pretty solid at the back. Yeah. And
0: And not Fonte because he bizarrely went to West Ham. Alex had a dig about that. You would have heard uh, a few moments ago, but a very strange decision. But anyway, it's been a long podcast already for Patreon backers. It's going to get even longer because we're going to keep talking uh, for another 20 minutes or so for you guys, Uh, for everyone else. Uh, you can check out patreon.com slash rantcast if you want more of the show. Otherwise, you can get me on Twitter at UTDRantcast. You can get Ed at UnitedRant. Um, and you can have a read of stuff written by a whole bunch of really good writers on unitedrant.co.uk. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, here's hoping United win a trophy before we speak to you next. Try on, your Reds. See you next week.